Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Alright everyone, welcome to part two of our recap of the HBO miniseries Sharp Objects. We previously did part one, which was the first four episodes. Now we are doing part two for the last four episodes, where it's going to be full of spoilers. So I'm just letting you all know right now, if you have not watched HBO's Sharp Objects, or read the book for that matter, please stop listening right now. I mean, we appreciate you listening anyway for the first couple of seconds, but this is where you should probably stop. Joining me for this awesome recap here, I have Ryan C. Showers. Hi, everybody. Katie Schaefer. Hello. JC Aldridge. Hello, everyone. Michael Schwartz. Hello, everyone. A lot more people than we had last time for part one, and that's because the show definitely gained some steam as it went along, gained a couple of fans, people started to catch up, but there's one person in particular who did catch up, and it brings me such joy and pleasure to say her name once again here on any podcast under the Next Best Picture banner. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Deanne. Hi, Deanne. Hi, guys. I could not stay away. This show was so much fun. Um, If anything would get me back into the fold, it's something like this. Well, let's find out what everyone did think about it, because I have this feeling it isn't all sunshines and rainbows. (laughs) So I want to actually start off with the person who I know was definitely the highest last time we were here, and that was Ryan. Ryan had already read the book. He knew what was coming. He pretty much spent all of part one trying to convince me and Michael, don't worry, it's all going to be worth it by the end. (laughs) So, Ryan, I do want to ask you, as someone who's read the book, did the show in its entirety meet your expectations? Absolutely. And so I went to the beach this past weekend, and I sat on the beach, and I reread the book before the finale. And I'm so glad that I did that. I loved the book even more the second time, and it made me appreciate the adaptation. And I think it's an incredible adaptation for a very specific reason. So the book is um, it's very blunt. It's all about in- Camille's internal life and her thoughts. It's not very descriptive, not very detailed. And in the show, it's completely the opposite. It's all detail. It's all atmosphere. And um, there's no narration. I mean, you can have an insight to Camille's um, inner thoughts, but it's not directly stated. And the way that he, the way that John Mark Bella flipped the novel on its head and totally told the story, told told the exact same story. I mean, literally every scene in the book is in the series, and it is, um, I think, incredible. I think it's as a um, as the second half of the series. I think. The, these last four episodes were even better than the first four. And um, I think Amy Adams 
is phenomenal. She broke my heart in a million different ways. And I think um, Jean-Marc Vallée delivered um, a masterpiece here. All right. Let's head over now to Deanne, whose voice I just cannot wait to hear right now. So Deanne, tell us all what you thought of Sharp Objects. A lot of pressure. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I loved this show. I I loved it both um, because of the themes, but also a lot of the technical choices and the performances. It all really came together for me. I really understand um, some of the criticism around some of the things feeling cliche, you know, this idea that this town kind of is ostensibly good, but then there's these evil layers underneath that, like those aren't new ideas. And I, and I understand that, but I think what kind of transcends this is really that the um, actual mystery itself is more of a device to tell what I think is a really interesting and nuanced story, especially around womanhood in a lot of ways. And um, I, you know, I think that what the director, what, what is his name? I just blanked on it. Jean-Marc Vallée. Vallée, my gosh, I knew that. I'm sorry about that. But he has shown um, that he's kind of talented at building these uh, worlds with female characters at the center, obviously with Big Little Lies and Wild is another example. Uh, I think that is that was similar, but also had a very self-destructive character kind of at its center. And what I think is interesting to explore here is, you know, you hear that term anti-hero a lot to kind of describe what maybe you would consider a character like Camille to be. But I honestly think that um, that's kind of a misnomer, especially as it applies to this context, because I think when we're talking about self-destruction and the things that people do to harm themselves as a way to deal with their pain versus somebody who uses their pain to do wrong by others, those are two, two very different things. And explores women who do that in you know, do both of those things in different ways and, you know, kind of um, use their pain in different ways. And I thought that was really, really interesting to explore, you know, especially looking at like, I think of a show, I'm sure you guys all saw Homeland, but I couldn't Mm -hmm. help but draw the parallels with Claire Dane's character and her character was definitely self-destructive, but she was also destructive to other people. And um, a lot of her decisions did have implications that hurt others, where this story kind of meanders and, and takes you through what is, you know, kind of this scene seemingly um, idea of where you think it's going and that it's really going to be about things like, you know, sexual assault and what that's done to Camille. And then it turns out to be something kind of entirely different. And that's just a piece of her story. Um, I find, I just found those layers of her character, the f- most fascinating part of the story. God damn, I missed you, Deanne. <laughs> yeah, me too. Deanne, you like totally took off like the second half of um, my notes page. Like, you know, you just perfectly summarized everything. I, that's... That was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have more. <laughs> but yeah. let's, let's I'll come back to me. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I definitely will, for sure. Um, I, I, I hate to make you follow that, but Katie, what do you have? Okay, so this this show meant so much to me. Like it spoke to me from a very personal place. Like I know what it is to be in those dark spots and I know what it is to feel all those difficult feelings and watching Amy Adams, who is, oh, this was a performance of hers that I thought was really amazing, especially during, you know, the seventh episode, seventh and eighth episodes where you just see her face kind of, crumble and then come back and all this incandescent rage that she embodies within her was so powerful so powerful to watch and then the the other side of it for me was of course the editing and the music and all of that but then there's also these 
these little stories woven among it, like it has this almost Stephen King-esque small town atmosphere where everything is a little rotten in the center. And so much of it spoke to me on so many levels that I was like, I am here for this 100%. Whatever you have to bring me, give it. And I I watched this about mm, 40 minutes ago is when I finished this. So Ooh. there was a whole lot of power behind my reaction. My roommates were like, oh, that's what you were screaming about? And I was like, yeah, that's what I was screaming about. Sorry. The tooth floor? Was it the tooth floor? It, it was. It was the tooth floor and that final scene. That final scene during the credits where she's just mm, the, strangling the life out of people. I was like, oh my, they're going there. So I really enjoyed this and I can totally get why it both divided folks because of its slow ramp up and was so satisfying for those who were able to enjoy that and stay till the end. Well, speaking of that divide, last time that we were here on the show, there was definitely a divide between myself, Ryan, and Michael. And now I finally get to turn over to Michael and I get to ask him, Michael, how do you feel now? Knowing everything that all the promise that Ryan kind of put forth to both of us last time saying it was all going to be worth it in the end. Do you feel that it was? I hope you all know how much I respect your opinions. I really, really do. I have to say I greatly dislike this show. This was out of all the films and television and Broadway shows and all the entertainment I've seen this year. This was far and away the most disappointing thing I've come across. I really did not care for this. And the thing is, I can't exactly pinpoint what about it I disliked because the direction is strong. Like I see what he's going for. The performances are serviceable. It fulfills a certain type of niche. Like I see what it's trying to do in being an adaptation of this great book that people love, but just something about it. I could not get on board for all eight episodes. And then watching the finale, there were actually a few moments where I was pretty happy with where it was going. I finally felt like I was engaged and seeing something that you know, it was a well-directed show. There was a lot going on. And then at about the halfway mark of the finale, it took a turn. And from there on, it was just the same problems I had with the previous seven episodes. Left the whole thing on a sour note for me. I just really was not a fan of this. JC, which way do you fall? <laughs> um, first of all, Dan, I miss you so much. Um, second of all, so I'm kind of, um, I, is Ryan the only other person who's read the book? Other than I've have has anybody else read the book? Not me. No. Okay. Nope. So, is it Gillian or Jillian? Also, Gillian. Gillian. I say Gillian. That's what I I say. Gillian. I thought it was Gillian. It's Gillian. Probably. I think it's Gillian, but Gillian Flynn. So many tweets. I know. Gillian. Serious. <laughs> seriously, Team Gillian or Jillian? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Gillian Flynn is my favorite author. Like. Mm -hmm. da easily down pat gone i read gone girl way before anything about the movie came out same with dark places um i i sped through i speed through her books i love mm -hmm. her to death she creates um such complex female characters well we know that jc's favorite film of the year is going to be widows <laughs> ah, oh i can't wait to see that film um i love female characters that are dirty and gritty and have so much strength within their weaknesses um i just think that it's such an underrepresented kind of character development and she just takes that on and runs with it i love it so much so 
that being said, the adaptation I was super pumped about and I there are things about this show that I loved. I there were and I'm sure we'll get into more specifics later, but um and then there were things that I really disliked. So I don't really know. I'm I definitely love I would re- I would recommend this show to anyone. Um I think being such a huge fan of Gillian as the as a uh, novelist kind of might be hurting the adaptation a little bit, even though I know that she wrote it for the screenplay as well. I'm just, I've just always been that person who leans towards enjoying the book better than the film adaptation or TV adaptation. And specifically for certain editing, um, certain ways that they edited the show, I don't sit well with me in terms of representing the book, but that being said, especially the last four episodes, loved to death. There's so much about this show is just, I, I'm actually, I'm watching Castle Rock simultaneously with this show. And um, the point was brought up about Stephen King kind of having something like similar tones. And I totally agree with that, um, especially watching. Sometimes I will admit this is embarrassing. I would be watching Castle Rock, like thinking that I was watching sharp objects and then i'd be like oh wait no this this isn't right (laughs) don't be embarrassed girl don't be embarrassed um yeah too much tv for me because i'm doing the same thing so yes okay then there we go so i have a quick question for you on that jc because like oh my gosh if you read dark places that adaptation of that was rough like, yeah. I don't know if anyone saw that, but even yeah. Charlize Theron couldn't make that good. And But um, Gillian didn't do the adaptation. And so I wonder if there's a theme there at all. I mean, there were other writers on this, but did you at least prefer it to the Dark Places adaptation? Oh, absolutely. No. Yeah. So I loved, I mean, Sharp, anything that Gillian has her name to personally, I think she does fabulous work with. And yeah, the Dark Places adaptation is just, like really embarrassing. It makes me think of the uh, girl with the dragon tattoo, that adaptation versus the one that was actually put out in Mm. the country of origin. It's just like a world of difference, but um, yeah, no, I, I, there was a ton I loved about this adaptation and there's like nothing I liked about the dark places adaptation. Well, JC, it's funny because I, um, I have, I have a lot of friends who have read the book and everybody um, I've at least, let's say seven people and every single person has loved it. And there's only been like one or two people who didn't like the way that they handled the ending of the show. And to be honest, I was a bit skeptical, um, after I knew that the, the show ended differently than the book did. Mm. Um, well, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How does the book end? It was like a long epilogue of what happens after right. Neil finds out, um, that Emma is the killer. Like there's a scene where she visits, um, Emma in the children's prison and then she moves in with Curry and his wife, and she starts cutting again, and she finally fulfills the parental figure that she was missing. Which which was with... Um, her mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha. And actually, a, um, a really good piece of um, trivia is that um, the editorial she reads, or well, that Curry reads in the ending yes. to her in his office, those are actually the last words of the book, and I'm so, so, so glad that they included it, because it is so powerful, where she... Um, Camille writes about. I agree. Um, I'm I'm caring for Emma, and I'm really enjoying it. And I'm wondering if I have my mother's illness or if it's just kindness. And it ends with her saying, "But I'm leaning t- 
towards kindness. Um, Those words, like reading those words, reading those last words in the book, I just, I get cold chills almost every time. And I was so looking forward to seeing that in the adaptation. And I'm with you, Ryan. I'm, I love how they ended the adaptation. I loved that, like that final look and her saying, don't tell mama. Like, I love that, but I'm glad they included and also, Matt, um, in the book, it's very spelled out about Emma killing her new friend, and mm-hmm. and this also her motivations are more spelled out, and the the actual murders of Anne and Natalie are spelled out, and like so that's part of the uh, the epilogue of the book. Yeah, that's not real. It's more implied. See, that's in the show. something I'm and missing from the adaptation that I wish they had more so of. So, quick yeah. question for you guys who read the source material. Um, one of the other things that I heard is that the um, television show really brings more life to the male characters in the story. Did you find that to be true? Yes. I think, um, at least, I, I, they, like, Alan is, um, it's it's implied that he is handicapped in the book, and oh. um, <laughs> the Chris Messina character, um, Richard, he's a little rougher to her in the book um, yeah. at first. Um, nothing compares to how rough he was to her at the end of episode seven, which I will so get into. Mm. Um, yeah. But um, that wasn't in the book. Well, I actually kind of liked that choice, if that is true, at least like with, without obviously being able to do a direct comparison, because I actually thought that the counterpart of the male characters was really interesting in this story. And especially as it relates to kind of Camille as a character, because like even Richard, and you're right, like he takes... Um, his journey takes a little bit of a road, but he also shares some of her same self-destructive qualities, but you're able to actually see them in comparison to each other. And I thought that was like a nuance that was really interesting. Like he's totally an alcoholic, totally. Yeah. But but totally. yet, but there's a different feeling to his alcoholism than hers. And I, I thought like, as it relates to, again, like developing a strong female character, I'm kind of glad they added some of that nuance. If if you found that to be additive or I'm curious if you thought it took away or what your thoughts were. Well, he's just a drunken wh- man whore. If you ask me, right. <laughs> <laughs> who says right, that to a victim of sexual assault? Well. Like whatever. I want to hear what Matt has to say because like, I, I've been like, you know, I've been like mm-hmm. holding my breath all, all day. Come on, Matt. Oh, Oh, okay. Um, so I just finished this about, Oh, I don't know. Five minutes before we hopped on to record. So my brain is still kind of processing it all. I will say that the last episode was my favorite. Uh-oh. I will also say, too, that I'm not on the full end of the spectrum with Michael, but I don't enthusiastically love it like some of you all do. Okay, that's fair. Um, and, I, and, I, and as Michael was explaining what didn't work for him and he couldn't quite pinpoint it, I think I know what it is. And for me, I think it is that extremely slow burn literary pacing of the story. I constantly, constantly, and I said this on the last uh, podcast we did as well, I was constantly waiting for the stakes to get higher and for stuff to actually kind of happen, like a sense of actual danger. Instead, what this was more like was this was more to, it felt like to me like I was actually reading the book instead of watching a television show because I really did get a sense of time. I got a sense of place. I got a sense of the people, of the history of this, uh, of this town like, I felt like I got so much detail out of this story 
but that was not fascinating to me. Mm. The filmmaking on display by Jean-Marc Vallée, like the editing, the music choices, the way that he chooses to shoot everything, like that was all keeping me very interested throughout. The performances by the actors were keeping me interested throughout. But I think at the core of it all, um, the story was was for me, I, I even said to myself when it was all over, I don't know why it needed to be eight episodes. I When it all kind of boiled down at the end, I thought to myself, they could have done this in five, honestly. But here's the I, thing also, I, aside from that, like one of my biggest complaints when we did the first episode was that it felt like it was dragging on too long. And by the point we were at episode four, it felt like that all could have been condensed into two episodes. Now that I've seen it all and understand what the story is, I was thinking to myself, even if this were like a two-hour movie, the story itself, you know, it can be as short as possible, and I probably still wouldn't like it because I didn't find any of those characters interesting or redeemable. No, no, for I, maybe the editor. That's okay if you didn't find them interesting, but I honestly do believe that in a condensed window of say two hours and twenty minutes long, they are interesting, and the story moves at a much more frantic pace maybe not like a action thriller or something like that but i i definitely feel very strongly that the material is there but drawing it out in this process only to have that and i gotta say it, it was masterful it was very masterful to have the holy shit moment reveal for the very end and then cut to black almost like sopranos level like what like i i I haven't had like a cut to black in a tv show floor me like that in quite some time but even afterwards and like even as i'm sitting down here and i'm listening to you all talk about it i have this lingering feeling currently in my stomach of wanting more out of it and i know there isn't more and i can't help but feel a little Mm -hmm. disappointed as a result so yeah, I wanted to say I listened to the to your guys first podcast like as I was on my way home from work and I heard a lot of your discussion about this and so I was thinking about it really hard like okay well why did they feel that way and why would they drag this out for so long and I think the biggest reason for me that I saw was it's about establishing Camille's ability to somehow exist as an absolute drunk like mm-hmm. she drinks enough booze that it would floor anyone else there is and yet somehow she still is a journalist she still drives her car unbelievably and (laughs) is able to make it work and i think you wouldn't and then that plays into she rollerblades very well right and and then that plays into the end of how she's able to hold up against this onslaught of obvious poison because she's been poisoning herself for years see like it's it's things like that when when you make those connections i say to myself that's very literary that's very interesting that's like so well done but i i i don't know what it was for me but for some reason i needed i needed the filmmaking to guide me more and to i'm kind with of, you yeah i'm with you about the like i'm with you the pacing is one of the biggest issues I had with this just because like sharp objects is her shortest book is Gillian Flynn's shortest book and it reads so quickly like I think I I think I got through this book faster than I got through the eight episodes like it's it's an exhilarating very fast-paced read and that didn't come across at all in the show that is interesting because then because then you say to yourself well gone girl is a two and a half hour movie from a longer book 
Right. And yet I feel like I, I don't know many people that watch Gone Girl and say that that's a boring movie, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely You know, not. it's so funny. I just, it, I'm completely the opposite. I'm definitely Me more too. with KT in terms of, I, I enjoyed every second of this. Mm-hmm. It was devouring it at like just Definitely. this rate, especially as the way memory was creeping back in and watching oh, all yeah. that imagery. I loved that play. But I also think to your point, KT, it's also about um, not only the alcoholism, but all of the things that is part of Camille. Like she hurts herself. She's promiscuous. She doesn't have kids. She's not married. All of these things. Right, that she like isolates in a, herself. Right. And all of these things that in a little town like that ostensibly makes you a pariah, but she ultimately ends up, you know, to be the sanest one there, you know, well, but I think all of somehow. that took time to kind of build to. And otherwise I think, I think it would have been unbelievable. It would have seemed very deus ex machina that, oh, of course she's able to do it. She's the hero. It's like, oh no, she's nobody's hero. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, but you are listening to a preview of the full podcast review of our recap of the second half of HBO's Sharp Objects, part of the Next Best series here on nextbestpicture.com. To get the full episode, you will have to subscribe to our Patreon channel, where for $1 minimum a month, you get this episode as well as some other exclusive podcast content. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and also on CastBox. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.